You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, once again, we are meeting at a time when the Islanders have a 3-1 lead in a playoff series, this time against the Philadelphia Flyers. We've got a lot to talk about because we haven't actually talked at any point in this series, but uh, I, this is a wild ride, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's equally wild and equal parts wild and equal parts calm at the same time because the the islanders just they haven't had a moment where like they've had their backs against the wall or they've looked like they're drowning at any any time like the 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 most kind of the scariest moments came after it was one one and they were down one nothing in the first period and immediately kind of just like all right like let's start beating these guys and then they did um they they have yet to really look uh, in danger like any time for more than 10 minutes at a clip it's um it's it's spellbinding stuff and it's really like it's 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 heavy because it's like it's so uplifting and and like you're just watching these guys that you know josh bailey's and brock nelson's guys that that we know and love and have been here forever and like hearing hearing their names being talked about the way they are right now this is what we've been waiting for um you know our whole lives as fans and uh, it's just it's there's so much to kind of take in with every game like there's that there's there's been so many great little moments whether it's um you know the the little back heel flip by Beauvillier Leo Komarov scoring then Matt or Matt, Matt, Matt Martin and then Leo Komarov scoring in the same game uh there's just been so many of these like really touching moments uh of hockey from the Islanders during this whole series and uh it's 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 crazy because it's just they the Islanders are a win away from the Eastern Conference Finals. That's that's insane. It, it is uplifting, and it's it's definitely uplifting for us. Maybe not for everybody, and we'll get to that in the second half of this episode. But uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's the way they play and the way that they've been sort of marching through this whole thing has been really it's been fun to watch in in a very kind of weird way because you know there's a lot. I mean, hockey is a game of mistakes. Everybody says that, but you know, with the Islanders, it's they don't make too many <laughs> and, and even the ones they make, they're often corrected, not always, but, but they're often corrected uh, in, t- in time. And uh, it's really been something. And, and if you're a longtime fan, if you're a longtime listener to the show, if you're a longtime reader of lighthouse hockey, you know, that this is not the way this team operated two years ago, 
four years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Like this is a completely different franchise than it was back then. And that's that's due to a couple of guys that we'll talk about in a little bit. Let's let's start by recapping the games very quickly. Again, I we totally forgot that we hadn't actually talked about any of these games. Last time we spoke was when they uh, finished off the Capitals, but um, they finished that series with a four nothing win. They started this series with a four nothing win. Um, Simeon Varlamov was outstanding. Um, it was all Islanders in the first. Andy Green had a goal. I know you were excited because that's your man. <laughs> uh, that was pretty wild. His first playoff goal in 10 years, which was also against the Flyers. Um, then it was all Flyers in the second, and Varlamov was enormous. And this kind of established this the pattern like you talked about. Sometimes, you know, things will turn the other way, but the Islanders will come back. The Flyers ran the table in the second but could not score at all. Uh, they went into the third period up one nothing, and J.G. Pajot, you're going to hear his name again later on too, he scores from all alone in front. Uh, then there was a beautiful pass back and forth from Everly Barzell to Lee. They made it, you know, uh, three, nothing Devon Taves scored one of the longest empty net goals we've ever seen. And, uh, cause, cause Elaine Vigneault pulled his goalie seven minutes early and, um, it was great. They won four, nothing. It was pretty wild. Uh, the next game about a minute in Simeon Varlamov set the team shutout pl- playoff shutout record, beat Billy Smith for uh, shutout minutes in the playoffs and then promptly gave up three goals in the first period. <laughs> it was not good. Um, but the Islanders, they didn't lose. And even at that point, I thought to myself, you know what? I've, I have a feeling they might come back and tie this one. I wouldn't turn this game off. Whereas in the regular season, they might have. And sure enough, they did. Lee got one in the second. Uh, then it was all Islanders in the third. Uh, uh, Anthony Beauvillier, Pajo again in the third. Um, they tied it. They went to overtime. Thomas Grice was in at that point and there was a bit of a scrum in front and I don't know, it looked like he never saw the shot from Phil Myers go in. It kind of went off of Lee's stick. He was about 25 feet in front of his own goalie and it went in and uh, they lost in overtime. But the fact that they came back was a very encouraging sign going into game three, which um, Islanders looked a little bit disjointed. They gave up the first goal to um, Lance Pitlick or is it Ryan Pitlick? It's Lance Pitlick. It's right? Ryan, but I, I like Ryan. Lance. I think Lance Yeah, is, Lance, can call him he Lance. was old, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some Pitlick One of the scored. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's been a Ryan Pitlick or on the, the right. Flyers too. Like they all have these like like common-ish hockey. Like Ryan Pitlick's obviously not a common name, but like a name you're like, oh, that's that that sounds like a Flyers third line winger, like Matt Reed, or <laughs> Nick Cousins, Scott Lawton. Yeah. Like these guys, like they just <laughs> all have Thompson. these. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Derek Grant. Yeah, all, like yeah, Derek just, Grant. <laughs> They sound yeah. like guys who are flyers. Like exactly. Darren Rumble is yep. always me the, the flyer guy. But anyway, they, so uh, Islanders were a little disjointed to start that game. They gave up a goal. But then it was all them in the second. Matt Barzell and Matt Martin hooked up for a goal. Why are those two guys even on the ice together? Who the hell cares? They scored a goal. Uh, Leo Komarov with five seconds left scores a goal. Never quit, kids. Play, got to play to the final buzzer. Um, they both, all, both those pucks sort of trickled in underneath Carter Hutton, which was kind of weird. But uh, the Islanders control most of the third period. Lee scored on the power play. Um, the Anders had a got a penalty for playing without a helmet, which, you know, I mean, I'm surprised that's taken this long to happen. But uh, Varlamov was huge again. They won 3-1. And then the next night uh, was the back-to-back. And uh, Thomas Grice started, which I, I don't know. Some people were a little surprised by. I personally was not. Um, Barry Trotz called it the worst game they've played since they got to the playoffs. He's definitely not wrong. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. Um, but uh, they ended up uh, taking a one nothing lead. Brock Nelson from the slot. Then the Flyers kind of took over the second period, uh, ended up tying the game. But in the third, once again, the Islanders controlled play for the most part. It was J.G. Paggio again. Then it was Nelson again uh, for his second of the game. Thomas Grice was enormous. Uh, the Flyers got one back with about a minute to go. But then Scott Mayfield, who, quite frankly, did not have a good game to that point, um, basically pinned the puck against the boards for almost a full minute. <laughs> the Flyers never saw it and the game was over. And with that, the Islanders took a three, one lead. So um, a lot to chew on the Islanders. I think, you know, to, to put kind of a general bow on it, have been the better team for the most better part of this series. The Flyers have had their moments, but whenever they do, the Islanders weather it and then they course correct and then they get back at it and they are frustrating the Flyers. Um, a lot of their, their, Notable players haven't really done much so far on the on the score sheet. Some haven't done anything. And, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about game five coming up. I don't want to. I was listening to some sports talk radio and guys are already talking about what they're going to do against Tampa Bay. Please, let's just finish one series <laughs> before we start the next one. Um, 
But so far, I mean, the Islanders, it's hard to say that the Islanders haven't been the better team throughout these five games, or these four games, and uh, have the, the the lead that they should have at this point. It's, you know, they have a 3-1 lead and they should have it. And uh, it's been pretty fun to watch them go to work and uh, drive the other team absolutely bonkers, <laughs> That which is, you know, definitely a, a, an extra layer of awesome that uh, you can throw on top of uh, just winning the games. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's really great. I mean, starting from the beginning, like that, yeah, that, that Andy Green goal was just perfect because there, Andy Green is probably the best player in the NHL at what Andy Green is supposed to do, right? He's, you know, there's, there's, I don't know anybody in the league. And I, and I, when I thought about this the other day, I was like, there's no, I couldn't like figure out another player in the NHL who basically plays this style of game, which is so 1997. That like you wouldn't believe it's just it's it I can't if I just can't picture anyone else <clears throat> who does it and and if they do do it like they don't do it particularly well they're usually kind of um you know tire fires or something like like a guy like you think about you know like a, a Cody Cece or a Chris Russell like these guys who who kind of play that you know simp or supp- or supposed to play like a get in the way make things simple game but are generally just like chasing around the ice I, Andrew McDonald kind of comes to mind mm. a little bit with that um usually those guys are also making way too much money yes which exactly. makes those their mistakes look way worse <laughs> exactly and and but andy green is like he, he plays a such quiet game that when he scored that first of all when he scored that that goal and uh the p- camera picked up and he's i think he said like how about that like when, when they scored to like whoever was coming in to give him his first hug uh but i mean that that just set the tone for the series it was just like yeah like the islanders the they're going to do what they're supposed to do like to a player, like the, every player has played his role, even like Leo Komarov for as, as annoying as he can be to, to who, what, what he's, he's being more annoying to the opposition than he is being to Islander fans. This, this series, I think. So that's when he's effective. Uh, I thought, you know, Derek Broussard was, was scratched in the beginning of the series and he had a great game in his first game back and was kind of all over the place and playing like a, a, a good role of like a third line center with, who's like equal part agitator and, but with, with, with skill and like we can talk, I don't know, three hours, four hours on JG Peugeot, however long you want. And I think people would listen because he's just been that good. Uh, it's, it's just, and then yeah, you can't talk enough about the goalies either. Everybody is playing to their, to their identity, to their role. And they look like they're, they, they really do. It, it's cliche. And, and to think about like, Oh, you know, fourth line, fourth liners always say like, well, that's our job is to get in deep and, put put some pressure on and hit you know finish our checks and and whatever but like these islander players they really do like on the ice even look like they're having fun playing these nondescript roles um and everyone's doing such a there isn't there hasn't been a game where i think you know there's been some shaky moments like you you mentioned scott mayfield who like you said was having a bad game and then he he made a a great pass to pajot and then uh had that great defensive play. So he completely made up for it. Uh, then you think about like Nick Letty's had some, some odd moments, but in general has been so much better since he's been latched onto green there. Everybody is pulling their weight from the coach all the way down. And uh, it's it, you, when you watch the game, like you're just like, you, you feel like the ice actually, it does feel like the ice just, it starts even and it slowly, slowly tilts towards uh, in favor of the Islanders throughout the game. And at, at some point, like, it's like quicksand for the other team. They're just trying to figure out a way to get out of this and, and they can, and it's so frustrating. And uh, you, I think the, the flyers have spent like almost a full period at this point with their net empty. It's, it's really, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just mind boggling to, to watch the, the New York Islanders, to watch those blue and orange and white jerseys be the ones to be doing what they're doing. Um, mm. eh, man. Uh, yeah. Um, and obviously a lot of it, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the coach here on this particular podcast for the last two years, but it all really does come back to him. And it's not just if even if you don't listen to him talk. And I mean, we've we've talked about how his postgame press availabilities are appointment viewing. You got to hear what the players talk about him. Adam Pellick said that, you know, they're very well prepared every single game. Uh, that's that's kind of their secret a little bit. Devon Taves at one point said that not only are they prepared, but they're also prepared for when the situation they're prepared for 
goes awry. And so they're prepared for contingencies as to what to do when this situation happens and when this other situation happens. And you can see that it's all drilled into them. And, and NBC Sports had had a little thing on Anders Lee, I believe, before the last game, before game four. And he said, you know, I guess the question was like, what is your role on the line with Everly and Barzell? And he said it's to bring some physical presence, to play physical, to get in the corners and to open up space for those guys. And the way he said it sounded like a guy who believed it. And he believed in that role. And it sounds like a guy who relishes that role and feels like, yes, that's what I need to do to be successful. And another thing Trot said, too, that really caught my ear this whole time was everybody feels like they're the, the goal of his role, his goal is to make everybody feel like they're contributing to a winning team, whether you're the first line center or the fourth line left winger or you're a healthy scratch. These guys have to play like they are a part of the team. And I, I really, I mean, obviously I'm not there, but it really does feel like they all feel like they're a part of the team. And you think about, you know, every time I think about Andy Green, I think about Johnny Boychuk. Johnny Boychuk's been a minute eater for this team for six years. He, When he came here, we freaked out because we couldn't believe that Johnny Boychuk of the Stanley Cup champion at some point, Boston Bruins, was going to be a New York Islander. And he's been a rock for this team. And he got hurt, and Andy Green stepped in, and Green has been so good that Johnny Boychuk can't get back in the lineup. And that's not a knock on Boychuk. It just means that Green has been playing so well that there's no reason to take him out of the lineup. And I guarantee you that Johnny Boychuk in that locker room is just as important as a healthy scratch than he is as a player. And that's why, you know, when Trot says that, I believe it. And uh, it's been pretty remarkable. And, um, yeah, it's, it's weird to see – the ice turn, um, even in the periods when they give up a lot of shots on goal, it's still the usual stuff. It's mostly from the outside. There's not a ton of stuff from the slot, from the inside. And the goalies have been there. Thomas Grice was awesome in that game. And Varlamov just didn't have it for one period. But other than that, he's been really good too. And so um, it's really hard to complain when you've got two goalies making all the saves and everybody else doing everything else. And it's just it's been a ton of fun. And regardless of what happens in game five, I mean, this is, this is the most fun I think we've had as Islanders fans. I, I can't think of another time when it'd be, you know, yeah, it really stretches back to last year. Um, mm. It really does. It's, it stretches back to that, that first, you know, spurt, I guess, like when Devon Taves got called up and the Islanders um, went on that run and, and all of a sudden it became real. Like it just became real. Like, Oh no, like the, the Barry Trotz is, impact on a team is not only tangible and real but it's enjoyable and uh, it's it's fun to root for you really do feel um even though they're the kind of greater hockey media in the <laughs> hockey prairies will tell you that it's not true um you really do feel like you're kind of rooting for the good guys uh with under trots because they they to them not only not only are they playing the game well but like just like the way they are off the ice it's just the, the, the way they talk about being an Islander and, and Long Island and just that kind of stuff is, is just so refreshing and encouraging to, for someone who's like you, you ever, if you're, you're, you're either really young or a new fan, or I don't know, have just a great outlook on life. Life. If you haven't as an Islander fan thought about why the hell am I doing this? Like at some point over your, however long you've been a fan. Um, and I would say that, uh, this this team has kind of shown why because it's one of those highs and and you always hope that the the, the extreme lows and the long lows um, that's that's been the thing with the Islanders is like the lows are not just blips there they're you know, <laughs> decades long decades and, yeah <laughs> yeah so like you what you always hope like you know the highs better be worth it and and we're getting to a point where you're like yeah it might be um and it it it's really comes down to just one man like it really like there's nothing else like everyone's playing their role for sure. Um, but it, they're playing their role because they're been, they've been coached up on their role by uh, Barry Trotz, who is we. You think about John Tavares and when he got drafted, and everyone kept saying the savior of the, of the New York Islanders. Here's a franchise savior. The Islanders, like John Tavares, can save the Islanders. He can be do what Mario Lemieux did to the Penguins. And little did we know, like our savior is this you know square bodied bald dude um, who was coaching the Nashville Predators for as long as like I was alive and now he's the Islanders coach and he is the, the true like savior of the Islanders franchise. Uh, it, and I, it, I've never 
as a sports fan, maybe even as a human being, like never reminded myself not to take something for granted as I do with Barry Trotz. I'm just like, just soak up every moment of this guy being behind the bench. Every time they flash the camera to him, like enjoy it. Just enjoy seeing him being the guy standing behind the Islanders. Like he, there's Barry Trotz standing behind Josh Bailey, like seeing that kind of stuff. Like I, do, I, I, I'm, I'm like present for it for Scott Gordon and Jack Capuano. Like they just were the Islanders coaches and you kind of laughed at them. You're like, God damn, like that's, that's the, yeah, that's the Islanders coach there. Uh, but th- this is different. It's just, it's t- really just about uh, one guy uh, who's, he stabilized everything. Uh, it's and every you can't think about the the players he's coached uh, from basically from the beginning. Boychuk is maybe the only one. Letty sort of too, I guess. But everybody's just gotten better and taken their not just a little bit better. Like there are guys who've taken their games like three levels up uh, under Trotz. Uh, Josh Bailey, Brock Nelson, Pelik, Pulak. Like they're these guys have just become legitimate NHL like good players like solid players I'm not saying that they're you know Nikita Kucherov but like these are really good players and that's why when the Islanders get painted as a team that is just playing above its head because of their coach you're like no like this they they have a lot of good players like they, they do they have a lot of good players who are getting better because of the coach um yeah. but yeah it's and and they're showing it like they are the better team they've been the bet they they are the better team they might be one of the three best teams in the NHL at this moment. It's it's crazy. The, the only team, you know, it's funny when you when you talk about coaching this way, and, and I never thought of it this way, but I remember when Bill Parcells took over the Jets, and it was immediately like, whoa, wait a minute, like they're actually trying to win these games, you know, like <laughs> before, you know, he 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 succeeded, you know, Rich Kotite and uh, whatever, uh, who else who else was on there? This is awful coaches that were like. Um, Oh man, Pete uh, Pete uh, Pete Carroll, you know, preceded uh, Parcells, and it's like, guys, it just, what are you even doing here? Like, what is, what is it that you do here? You know, the old the old office space line, uh, and then a guy like Bill Parcells shows up, and all of a sudden, it's like, no, this is the way we're going to do things, and you're like, wow, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Barry Trotz is the same way, and and he does it in a completely different way than Parcells did. You know, Parcells, you were kind of afraid of. Barry Trotz is like a cuddly sort of Zen Buddhist. Uh, you know, guy who who uh, spouts these bon mots of uh, life lessons at the same time while he's coaching a hockey team. It's crazy, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been really something to watch. And um, uh, you know, it's I don't want to get too into like the the X's and O's because there are people that are way smarter than us <laughs> that do that sort of thing. But um, you know, it, to, to get this far in this short a period of time. After all those years, and and he's mentioned it too, and I think Lee's also mentioned it in that tape piece I mentioned before for NBC that you know people on Long Island have waited a long time for something like this, and and Trotz keeps mentioning that you know he talked to these guys about you only get this opportunity once, you know they have an opportunity here to do something that people who have been fans of this team for years have been waiting for, and that's not lost on any of these guys. Like that's why you know it's they never really get down i mean aside from the three nothing you know lead that they gave up or the three nothing hole they were in in that game i had no doubt that they were going to come back and you know even if they weren't going to they're going to have a damn hard time trying like they're going to make it happen and you know maybe carter hart stands on his head but they ended up tying it and once they went to overtime i was convinced they were going to win so that one was a bit of a bit of a heartbreaker but the fact that they did that i guarantee put some some scare into the flyers and and certainly put some you know some uh uh, jolt into the Islanders when when the time came around too, and and um, it's uh, you know when you watch Alain Vigneault, you know I feel bad. Vigneault's a good coach; he's been in the coaching this league for twenty years, and he's had some really really good teams. But you know you watch these press availabilities, and you almost like he's just feels like he's a bit at a loss. Like mm-hmm. he's he's trying to say the right thing, and he's trying to like you know he doesn't want to like throw his hands up and be like, well, what the hell do you want from me? You know, but it's pretty clear that they just need to find something. And I mean, yeah, they need uh, to get lucky almost. It's basically yeah, like they just much. need a mirror, like a, a, a lot of good bounces and goaltending. Like yeah. it's, it's the only and way you can beat the Islanders. He's even said like, you know, we're going to work hard, but working hard is, is, isn't enough. Like you're going to have to find something else. And, and look, I'm again, I don't want to talk too much about it, but it would surprise nobody if the, the flyers just came out and just completely uh were like shot out of a cannon at the islanders uh in game five and i wouldn't blame them but you know they've done that before and the islanders weathered it and came back and won 
the Islanders have been able to, not just from the Flyers, but like the Panthers and Capitals, like they've absorbed the best hockey from the other teams and turned it around very quickly. And another thing too is, like if you think back to other old playoff series, uh, you know, I remember watching the, the series against the Leafs and even like as a 12-year-old being like, I can't imagine when they were down like, you know, 2-1 or whatever, 3-2 in, in that game seven. Like I couldn't imagine, there was no player on that team that I thought like, I could see this guy scoring with like 45 seconds left and sending this game to overtime, scoring the big goal. Uh, the same thing kind of in the those uh, uh, Steve Sterling years, like just never, there was just not that guy who just, you were like, this guy is going to score the big goal. Uh, he's, I can see it. I can, I can see, you know, Roman Hammerlick scoring the goal. It's just, there weren't, there weren't those, that many guys. And that kind of crept through to the, um, the Capuano years where they made the playoffs. Like they were, you know, some good players and Tavares, I guess you can definitely make the argument was one of those guys, but, um, they just weren't and outside of him, like guys that you can even picture doing it on this team. Like when JG Pajot or Anthony Beauvillier, or Anders Lee, like when they have the puck in a big moment, I'm like, this is probably, they're going to score. Like when, when Pajot had that breakaway, I said this to you yesterday. I was like, I could walk away. I, I could have walked away from that TV, gone for a walk around the block and known coming back. I was coming back to a lead because Pajot was going to score that goal. Like they, they, you, I just trust all of them to, to be that player. The um, There's that quote, I think it was like Pop Nystrom. They always talk about how those, those dynasty uh teams like when they'd be going to overtime they would never like they they would never say like who's going to be the hero or when they did they would be like everyone be like i'll I'll do it like we we, they all knew like somebody in that locker room had it within them to to win the game to to score the the game winning goal and this team has like you know 12 players who i was just like yeah i just wouldn't be surprised at all if if if, uh casey suzika scores you know an overtime game winner to send the islanders to the eastern conference final like it's crazy it's it's it it's a complete complete shift the we're now we now are in, in the beginning of the trots era you you said something that stuck with me that is like at some point you kind of got to get used to it like that this is the barry trots islanders and this is kind of just what they do i still kind of haven't <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> just it's because well, like, you remember you remember all those old i mean you go you go all the way back to 2002 like there's a lot to get over yeah know? exactly Arthur, you know so uh yeah, no, I feel the same way. It's it's just it's very there's a lot of sort of pinch yourself moments here, and uh, you know, for those of us again that have been following the team for so long, that there's a lot of those. Um, and the funny thing is, like, it's not just for us too. Like, if you, I highly recommend everybody go back and watch um, Peugeot and Nelson's post game thing after Game Four. Some uh, somebody, I think it was Arthur Staple, asked Nelson what it's like to play with Peugeot, who we've seen score these big goals before, and he's like. Hey, he just kind of does everything. And Pat Joe's like, thanks, man. And Nelson smiles at him. Like, you know, they're they're having a good time too. And and so are we. And and it's a it's a connection there. Again, we, you talked about it before. Barry Trotz, this is he's creating the Islander way. Like this is a thing now. And and you know, it might not get to the point where it's the Patriot way, but maybe it does, and it's something. And now everybody knows it. And everybody's gonna have to get used to it because this is the Islander way now. You're looking at it and This is the way it's going to be as long as these guys are in charge. So uh, we're going to take a short break and we're going to talk about uh, one of our favorite subjects, the uh, sort of pervasive uh, media landscape around the Islanders and the Islander way and uh, what people are saying and how irritating it is. So uh, give us a couple of minutes and then come back and we'll talk about that. All right. Thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They're still adding them all the time, folks, so go there, check it out. If you have a team that you haven't heard about since you were you know, four years old and your uncle sent you a weird shirt from you know, that time he drove through Kentucky or something like that, I guarantee that team has a shirt at VintageIceHockey.com that you can buy. They also have Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, uh, New England Whalers, all kinds of cool stuff. If you use the code Lighthouse15, you can save 15% off your order. And they also have our Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor t-shirts and our portion of which uh, of sales of those go right to the Center for Dementia Research. So VintageIceHockey.com. Check it out. Uh, okay, so uh, we uh, lease a car and as part of our lease, we have uh, Sirius XM Radio. And so I've been listening to the XM NHL channel uh, while I'm working, you know, kind of get a little bit extra of my money's worth. And uh, these guys, it's it's really funny how they went from basically never speaking about the Islanders series against the Panthers and very little against the Capitals uh, until, you know, game game four or five was rolling around to now discussing the Islanders as, you know, boy, how, how about these Islanders, eh? It, it's uh, it's really something what they're doing here. And it's like, guys, <laughs> some of us have been here a lot longer than the last two or three weeks. And uh, yeah, we, we've known they're pretty good. Um, it's uh, it's really something. And now if you watch the press availability, you also see like guys from The Athletic or guys from Sportsnet asking Barry Trotz questions. And they always ask him these questions like, how would you say you influence the team to do what it is that you do? Like they're trying to get some kind of answer here. But the answer isn't just a one word answer like this is who these guys are. And if you've been paying attention to them for longer than 10 minutes, you would have seen the transformation, the transformation from the Garth Snow, Jack Capuano, Doug Wade Islanders to the Barry Trotz, Lou Amarillo Islanders. Of course, nobody did that. And so now you're filing all these guys like parachuting in being like, how, you know, the, how does this team tick? I don't understand what's going on over here. How does this work? Well, guys, it's not rocket science like it's. They're just doing they're doing the things that every coach in the league probably wants their team to do, too. Uh, only they're actually pulling it off. So it's been funny to watch people kind of discovering the Islanders. But at the same time, it just reminds you how little they watched prior to this whole bubble thing. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing. I think the thing that kind of gets my goat more than anything is this has been coming. Uh, it's not like you know the Islanders didn't just, uh, you know, show up in this season or the second half of a season and go on a get hot and go on a run kind of like, you know, the avalanche maybe did last year or something. This, this is, this is a, like you said, it was a transformation that, that started two Junes ago and, uh, or three Junes ago now, I guess. And, and it, it, if, if you, if you're doing your job as a, as a hockey media person, you, you'd be paying attention and you would know, like, this is kind of the beginning of the crescendo of something and not the, uh, you know, this isn't like something new, like this, this orchestra, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I mentioned this the other day in an article, like this is the Bar- Barry Trotz Philharmonic. And like, so everyone's playing their instrument, they're playing it well. And it, they haven't just, this, they didn't just start this band all of a sudden out of thin air. Like this is, this has been happening. Like they've been touring the NHL for a long time now. Like they've, they've, this is a, uh, not a new thing. And that's what gets me frustrated. You hear guys like, you know, where did this come from? What's those, that guy's name is Pellick and his defense partner's name is Pollock. How is that? You know, how am I supposed to deal with that? Like, no, yeah, well you should get used to it because those guys are really good. <laughs> like they've been good for a long time now. Um, yeah. Devon Taves and Jonathan Taves, no relation. Like, no, yep, that's true. But that yeah. guy's been really good in the league for, you know, he's been going on 18 months being a good defenseman. Uh, like there's, that's what's pissing me off. And now that now it's like all of a sudden the Islanders discovered something, you know, during the the hiatus and that's, what's making them play better. No, they, they, when they're healthy and good, like they, this is how they play. And, and when they're on form, they play, they play this well. This is nothing new to Islander fans or to people who pay attention to the Islanders uh, just because you're now your team's out of it. So you got to start paying attention and writing stories, uh, for your for your outlet on on what's changing what what Barry Trotz has changed like he's he, he's changed very little this year he's you know this is the same team that's what that's what's pissing me off and it's uh guys who and they still miss there are start, guys who are starting uh to to get to the point a little bit i guess uh 
I think who was it? Scott Wheeler or whatever his name is. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, I think we're both referencing an article by Scott Wheeler in The Athletic from the other day. And, and the article itself was pretty good. As like, a tactical it, it, breakdown, it's good. I would say, yeah, like, yeah. like if you want to, if you're watching a game and you're like, why, why is this working? Like, why does it work? Why do the Islanders force turnovers in this particular spot of the ice? He does a good job of that. Like, like breaking that down. Right. Um, but it was also couched in this idea that how, you know, what is, I don't understand these guys. Like what well, I, you know, I was texting with a Western conference scout and I was like, I don't get the Islanders at all. And he was like, no, they're really good. And then I started to do a deep dive and it's like, really? Like that's, do you need this whole sort of like lame Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of like set up this whole thing? Dude, like just uh, there's a lot of guys out there that frankly cover one team and we all know what the team is, but it doesn't have to be that one team. It could be a lot of other teams, but they cover one team. And then when another team starts to show up and and win, all of a sudden it's like their whole world is thrown off its axis. And it's like, oh, my God, what is happening right now? I don't understand. Like. There's a again, we, we were saying this before, like there's a huge difference between the way this team operates versus the, the way the Islanders operated two years ago, five years ago, whatever it is. Now, maybe we as people in, in the weeds and the trenches have seen it every single day, but the way it's covered a lot by people that, you know, again, are just discovering them now throughout this whole playoff is really condescending. <laughs> like, it's, you know, Luke Fox at Sportsnet is another one. Like the way he writes these things, it's almost like, you know, I bet you didn't think the Islanders would be here. And it's like, dude, you didn't think the Islanders would be here either. So put your finger away. Don't point your finger <laughs> at me. Cause I, you know, I mean, we kind of hope they would be here. And so it's, it always has this sort of air of like, you know, can you believe this? And it's like, yeah, probably, you know, but that's because we've seen this metamorphosis in the, the words of George Costanza, you know, taking place. And did anybody think they'd be here now? I mean, maybe. Sure. I mean, it's I think we maybe subconsciously as fans kind of bought into the idea that Barry Trotz was selling, which was that this this thing is a unique tournament and these guys have a unique opportunity to go far. And it's like, you know, normally he was saying this the other day, like when. Normally, when you get to the playoffs, like it's eighty-two game after eighty-two games, people are beat up, they're tired, they're hot, they're they're just out of gas, and you know, God only knows what's been going on with them and their personal lives and everything. And so, you hit the playoffs at sort of different points. With this coming on after you know five month pause, everybody's kind of on the same playing field. Like you know, we got Adam Pellick back. Like that's you know, that's, he's probably thinking, "Holy crap, we weren't going to have this guy before, and now he's back." So everybody's really starting kind of healthy. Everybody's starting fresh for the most part, and you can see, you know where everybody can go from here on out. And it's been, you know, it's been almost to the Islanders advantage that this is happening this way. And, and I think there's a lot of other teams that maybe didn't see the advantage in there and the opportunity. And, and that's not to say, which is another thing that bothers us, the old like, uh, oh, they just don't want to be here anymore. Oh, this isn't, you know, they couldn't get into this whole thing. That what we should, what we should call the Penguins defense from here on out. Like, yeah, I didn't really feel like this is, you know, this team has won so much in front of so many screaming throngs of fans at this empty building in this weird tournament didn't really do it for them. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but for the rest of us, we're having a lot of fun. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of weird. And again, it, it's, it is both cool and it is annoying. And I do wonder like, you know, when the ride eventually stops, what the, the conversation is going to be like at that point, like, is it going to be like, yeah, they were never that good. <laughs> or is it going to be like, well, these guys are for real and we got to now pay attention to them. So we'll have to see. Hopefully that yeah. doesn't happen for a long, long time. I, I think one of, one of the, uh, one of the big, uh, it's like sub narratives in all these Islanders, uh, think pieces is, is a uh, pump your brakes ism. Like they, they're like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, the Islanders are good, but here's the big, here's the big elephant in the room. Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, Jordan Eberle, Andrews Lee, like they're all almost 30 and they're making $6 million a year. Uh, so they're, they're, they got some problems to solve. Like, yeah, we do, but not right now. Like not when they're, they're like the fact that Brock Nelson is going to be paid. First of all, Brock Nelson's contract didn't, didn't, he, he's playing the guy, Kevin Hayes, who got, you know, seven times seven and he's out playing him. And, <laughs> and like nobody batted an eyelash with the Kevin Hayes deal, but, um, you know Brock Nelson makes six six, and everyone everyone freaks out. But uh, it, every every write up always mentions that you know they got some contracts to worry about. Like the fact that Leo Komarov is getting paid four million dollars over the next four, two years or whatever, 
doesn't matter to you know in the second in this with 13 minutes left of the second period of game four against the Flyers like nobody's on the ice saying hold on let's stop this game right now the Islanders are winning but Leo Komarov is on a bad contract so the Flyers get to win this one because of that contract like that's not how this works it's yeah. a, a team that plays better wins you know who gets that too and I, I have a feeling we're both also referencing the same thing it was a Pierre Lebrun article today about um the trade deadline acquisitions and how they're all mostly working out. Robin Leonard being one of them and one of them being JG Pajot. And of course he did exactly what you just said, which is like, you know, I didn't think that deal was good at the time. They gave up a lot and gave him a lot of money. I don't think he's a $5 million a year player, dude. He is playing like a $5 million a year player right now. And if he can play that way in the playoffs for the life of that contract, well then that's great. Like then it's good. That's when I want to pay that guy $5 million a year is if he's going to, you know, score goals in the third period of every playoff game. Good. That's where that that's where I want my money going. And I thought to myself, <laughs> I'm reading it. And I thought to myself, who else would you want to pay at this point? Like at some, at some point you have to pay people money. Right. But, and you, you got to give up assets to get good players. That's yeah. what I don't, I still don't get it. They're like, well, at the time I really thought the price was steep. How would you say, you know what? It was a good trade for the Islanders, obviously. Like, the, look at what's going on. JG Pajot scored is scoring a hundred goals in this play in these playoffs, and they're all coming at the exact right moment. I think that might yeah. be a good trade, but just because it was Lou Lamarello, uh, you can't compliment Lou at the, in this NHL in the modern NHL. You do that, um, but I I do want to say like just one person I want to give credit to because he does pay attention and he does such a good job of not just covering the Islanders but everyone is Mike Kelly at the NHL Network. Yes. Yeah, and, the video that he yes. did. Yeah, and it's just it's it's incredibly he and this is he he basically took the boring narrative and flipped it up, flipped it on its head. And but if you if you pay attention to stuff he puts out on Twitter all the time, like he does this for a lot of teams, and he go he goes kind of not too deep into the into the weeds where you can kind of get lost on some statistics or whatever, but like in between uh, surface level and advanced advanced stats, I guess, and kind of breaks down like what makes this team good and what you know where their weaknesses are. Um, and he does, he does such a good job and you just, you're like, well, I don't understand why other people can't, you, even if all you need to do is watch that video when, before you write your, your Islanders, you know, let's take down the Islanders before, you know, so that when they do eventually lose to the, the flyers or the lightning in the playoffs that I can look smart and say like, you know, I did, I did, I was a skeptic. I did think the Islanders would, would run out of luck at some point. Like if you watch what this guy's saying, you're like, oh no, the Islanders are hard to beat. That's that's their DNA right now. Their DNA is we are to be as hard as 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 hard as possible for the other team to beat. They dare you to beat us, um, and that's hard to do. Like if a team is doing that, just like make make your life living hell for sixty minutes in a variety of different ways. Like you at some point, like you just give up, and that's why they beat better teams on paper uh, all the time. Like they've done it all the time. They the island. This team went on a seventeen game point streak, nine game winning streak. <laughs> Never forgot about that. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, you were talking about pinch yourself moments before. Remember when they came back against the Penguins that one time, like in yeah. whenever it was November, and then like mm. it's like Ryan or it's Ryan twice. Pol- yeah, and, and Ryan Pollock <laughs> scored that goal against the Flyers in the regular season, yeah. and then they won, like mm. in, in this in in I think before overtime. Like th- th- this team does this, th- has been doing this stuff, and and very few people have given them the credit. Whereas dude, Mike Kelly's one of them. Um, but just the vast majority of people who, who, who can wield power with their hockey pen just don't, and they don't get it. And it's, uh, and they wonder why there's always like, Oh, well, I don't want to say this because I know Islander fans are going to get in my mentions and, and, you know, say some terrible <laughs> stuff like, well, maybe you deserve a little bit of it. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people that I think look directly. And it's actually funny because, um, one of them admitted it today. I was listening to again on, uh, no, it was, sorry. It was TSN. Uh, Arthur Staple was on, uh, I guess, uh, TSN radio with uh, Montreal guys today. And and he was talking about Adam Pellick and how good he's been for, on that crazy bargain contract. He's making like you know, $1.8 or whatever. And the, the host was like, you know, it's funny. Just as you said that, I, I went to Cap Friendly and I looked up Adam Pellick and I was like, holy cow, that's all he's made. You know, like he was surprised that this guy was making this much money. And I, I think a lot of it boils down to people just looking at that Cap Friendly page and outside of. Matt Barzell and maybe Jordan Everly, nobody just recognizing anybody's names. Like they're just not, you know, no, none of those names jump off the page. You look at the caps, you know, uh, for example, their Wikipedia, their cap friendly page and boom, Ovechkin, Backstrom, what, you know, and the Penguins, it's the same thing. Like the Islanders don't have that. If you're not a fan, like you just don't look at those names and you're just like, who the hell are these guys? Well, that's who they are. Uh, I do have to give credit though. Um, I have found NBC to be fairly complimentary of them 
Yeah. I know that, you know, Boucher, Brian Boucher and Keith Jones are both ex-Flyers, but they've been pretty complimentary to the Islanders uh, this whole time. And so, you know, now when the Flyers start to turn things up, as they do, you know, at certain points in every game, they do kind of jump on them like, oh, here they come, here they come, here they come, and they're ready, they're feeling it right now. And then, you know, the Islanders just kind of eventually take back control and do what they do. Um, so it has, it. you know, normally I'm the first person to criticize and, and probably probably a little too paranoid about that stuff. But I have, I have found that they've been very complimentary. That said, Keith Jones, you know... It's been too much, Keith Jones. I think yeah, he's not bad. He's definitely yeah. not bad. No, he's not. Uh, he's definitely way better than Mike Milbury, but he's not really good either. Like yeah. he's just sort of there, and it's just like yeah, you put it perfectly. Like a blunt, he's a very bland horse to to hit yeah, your wagon to because he's been there. For, has he been there since versus? He's he's like oh, definitely. He's been yeah. there forever, and and yeah. it's the same. He's and like you said, he's not bad. Like he just he just happens to be there and talk about hockey, and um, he's just. I never leave being like, what the hell is Keith Jones saying? Like, oh, that was right. crazy. But I'm you never mad. leave thinking, wow, that was a pretty good point. Right, exactly. <laughs> like Patrick Sharp, I think, is good. And he's, yeah. he's, he's, you know, and I can't, I really did not want him to be good at this job because he's so goddamn handsome. I'm like, what, what is, like, he's played in the NHL for as long. He's won Stanley Cups now and he's so good looking. And now he's, you know, really good at his job in TV. Like, this is annoying. But uh, I think he's been great. And the, uh, the uh even like like you said boucher and jones <laughs> before the series started i was like there's just no way that that they're gonna allow this to happen right like you can't have <laughs> you can't have aaron asham and mark Parrish in the booth for the islanders against <laughs> the flyers you know right that's not fair um but yeah they, they've been all right i think boucher is he gets on my nerves a little more than 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 jones but uh yeah for the most part i think if 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 the islanders were down 3-1 in the series uh we both would be you know i agree half hour talking about them yeah, I agree. But, you know, then they'd kind of deserve it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do find it fun. And sometimes I think about this, like, I hope that in the Stanley Cup final, this will never happen, but it would be funny if NBC Sports did like a, a naked gun style thing in the Stanley Cup final. So it's like, hey, everybody, I'm Doc Emmerich. And alongside me is Eddie Olchek, Keith Jones, Brian Boucher, AJ Malesko, Patrick Sharp, <laughs> Pierre Maguire, Kenny Albert. And Dr. Joyce Brothers, or whoever the uh, 2020 equivalent to Dr. Joyce Brothers is, you know, but uh, Dr. Phil, I guess. But uh, I don't know. They got a lot of people working, <laughs> working these games, and uh, and not enough AJ Malesko, if you ask me. But uh, you know, uh, it, but yeah, I agree. It, it, you know, the Islanders have done enough good things that they have been uh, complimented, and they've had a couple of periods where they weren't so good, and uh, you know, got. Uh, the, the flyers got the focus there and you really can't blame them for that but so far it's been good so um yeah so uh game five is going to be tuesday night you're going to probably listen to this on tuesday it's going to be at seven o'clock uh on nbcsn apparently the game on sunday that was on nbc was the islanders first ever game on nbc so yeah i was golfing with someone on sunday who just i was i was with my two friends and then a, a random guy and he was wearing a nick letty t-shirt and so we talked wow. we got you know, cool. yeah swimmingly and <laughs> uh he asked he's like what what channel is the game on tonight i was like believe it or not it's on nbc and my fr- my other friend who was with us is a big ranger fan and he just started laughing <laughs> and i was like you know what that's the right reaction because he's like i just can't picture the islanders on nbc like can you imagine somebody in like you know jefferson city missouri flipping through the channels and just landing on the islanders and being like what is that? Is that what is that jersey? Like I've never yeah, heard right. that before. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember they used to be on Fox back when Fox used to have hockey, like in the nineties. They'd get like one game. It was always on. It was always a Rangers Islanders Rangers game, but it was always like a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon game. Uh, and they usually got smoked in that game. <laughs> but uh, that's yeah. But I saw that and I was like, what? But I think maybe most of us thought that the. Yankee Stadium Stadium Series game was on NBC, but I guess it wasn't because it was. I don't know, it was like it was in the middle of the week. It was like a Thursday night or something like yeah. that. So and it was like the third like, game for the Rangers. In right? The yeah. They're like, all right, the Rangers are doing a tour of the Yankee Stadium. They're playing yeah. the Sabers, the Devils, the Islanders, the Flyers. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, well, I guess that wasn't on NBC. So I guess yeah, that's weird. So well, whatever. Well, they're one nothing on one to on NBC right now. So there you go. Good for them. All, all kinds of records being broken. So. So yeah, check that out on Tuesday. Uh, game six, should it happen, and let's hope it doesn't, uh, would I guess be Thursday, and then um, I don't know when uh, when the next one would be. Um, let me pull up the old schedule here just in case. 
so I get it right. But again, hopefully they don't need any more games after this. So yeah. Um, well, boy, we're in September. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah, game six would be Thursday. And then if not Saturday. So, uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully Tuesday is it. Hopefully the Islanders can do what they need to do and they'll be as prepared uh, as they have been so far throughout this whole thing. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, so we'll uh, we'll come to you at some point soon i don't know when. <laughs> whenever <laughs> we can yeah, yeah who you, knows? you can't plan for anything anymore you know so, no no yeah. where can everybody find you on twitter i have a big lebowski with two e's follow mike at the big lebowski with two e's read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date islanders news and discussion uh we got more podcasts at lhh podcasts uh you can check out advanced shouting there was a new episode uh last thursday so check that out and you can follow me at culture of losing if you want on twitter and um yeah We'll wait, just have to see. Wait before, I, I can't let us go without giving a little bit of props to Aaron Asham, actually, for that. Oh, tweet. yeah. I just, yeah. I can't let us go. I just, it just uh, popped into my head again that I, that yeah. little shade he threw at John Tavares. Little bit of shade uh, against his former teammate. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, it'll rankle some feathers somewhere, but you know, I'm sure he doesn't care. Nobody's <laughs> yeah. going to tell Aaron Asham yeah, exactly. that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he did something wrong. I would yeah. not want to be the guy to deliver that news. No, that was great. Uh, yeah, it's no. just, it's just, I love when stuff like that pops up, and it's because you, you, it's just like a random guy that just did that, and you, and then obviously you go down like the little rabbit hole. Uh, I, like just he became he for a second he was a cult hero again. Uh, mm. That was great. Uh, uh, I uh, saw the tweet and I didn't realize who it was from. I just thought it was some random, some Twitter rando. And I think it was when you brought it up and you're like, hey, did you see this? And I was like, holy shit, that was Aaron Asham. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Whoa. All right. That's fine. That's great. Uh, yeah. um, pr- proud of him. It was yeah. I love that. I just the when I like when guys do that because, they, you know, they break the code a little bit. And you're not supposed to say stuff like that about about. Uh, I want to know what Rob Shrimp has to say. Yeah, Rob Shrimp. Rob Shrimp will say the same thing and then he'll try to sell you a uh, you know a, a cannabis candy or something whatever he's 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 pushing on Twitter. <laughs> wow. Oh man, I need to check out Rob yeah. Shrimp for the Twitter Twitter account. I had no idea. Oh, all kinds of stuff. All right. Well, I'm going to go do that. Uh and uh you guys enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully again the Islanders can uh take care of business, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll be here when, whenever, you know, we can to talk about the next step. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Listening is a skill. And uh, this is a good time for everybody to listen because there's stuff uh, in this world that not everybody, you know, everybody pretends they understand, but we don't understand. So it is time to listen and, uh, and support.